serve a God who never fails us. And I put all my trust and my hope in Him. Never change. You stay the same. My rock, your everything I'll ever need. Lord,
worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Come on, lift your hands and worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are Lord. Hallelujah. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. You're hitting glory in creation. Now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The
What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is, that nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a chosen to do that today because you're going to do it now or you'll do it later I've chosen to do it today and then if the Lord sees to invite me into tomorrow I'll do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day until he calls me home I'm just going to keep bowing my knee because I'd rather do it now than do it later when it's too late to do it I I, I, I'm, I'm here to confess that I've watched some stuff bow their knees to Jesus that swore things that was in my life that swore it would never get out of the way has had to bow down at the name of Jesus I'm talking about stuff that I didn't even have to fight I'm talking about stuff that was in my life that said it wouldn't move and it wouldn't get out and it was no way I was going to see my and I didn't even have to fight it I just said Jesus and it bowed its knee and it was submitted cancer will submit to the name of Jesus high blood pressure and diabetes will submit to the name of Jesus divorce court will bow its knee in front of Jesus because he is king of kings and lord of lords you got strife tell Jesus about it you got malice in your life you got family disruption you got all kinds of chaos and dysfunction tell Jesus about it and watch it bow its knee at the mighty name of Jesus can we give him a hand clap of praise in this church my God my God I'm fired up to preach this word this morning hallelujah hallelujah what a wonderful name it is do that again sister Alicia what a wonderful what a name what a wonderful name it is what a wonderful name it is the name of my Jesus he's Christ invoking that name and depression has to obey it you start you start invoking that name and anxiety has to bow yes. down thank you 
Addiction has to give way to that name. All the chaos and confusion that's been following you through your life and has caused you so much disruption and you don't even know how that, that, that you got in this deep but you certainly don't know how to get out. Use the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. You don't have to know how to pray eloquent prayers. You don't have to know a whole lot of theology. You just have to use his name. The name of Jesus. And everything is forced to bow at that name. Jesus. Jesus. I got wayward children. Jesus. I've got depression that causes me to take a pill to go to bed at night and another one to get up in the morning. Jesus. My anxiety is so through the roof that I don't even want to get out of bed on most days. Jesus. They packed their bags and walked out and said they were never coming back. Jesus. The doctor's given up all hope. Told me I'm not going to make it. Jesus. All around me is chaos and turmoil and dysfunction. Jesus. What a wonderful name. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name. I love the name. My God. Such a name. Jesus. Jesus. You don't have to be uh, obnoxiously loud like pastor. Just learn how to say his name. You don't have to run the aisles and leave Jesus tracks on the ceiling and swing from chandeliers. You don't have to do all that. I do that enough for all of us. You just have to learn how to use his name, Jesus. Demons back up and run out of windows when you say his name. Fear just packs its bags and vacates the premises when you use his name. Turmoil that you have been experiencing in your family, just genealogical curses that's followed you around your whole life will just disappear and dissipate when you learn how to use the name of Jesus. What a wonderful, wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. So good to see your smiling faces. You can have a seat in his presence if you're able to this morning. It's, it's amazing how God works because I'm going to preach a sermon this morning that's week five of a series that's called Ready to Move. And my sermon title this morning is Hit Pause and Worship. Sometimes we get so called up, and man, I'm guilty of this for the last six months, so called up with all the details of life and the work that is consuming us that we sometimes forget that the best thing we can do for us and for everybody in our lives is just just hit pause and worship. Two Sundays from today, if the Lord invites us into it, doesn't come back to get us, we'll be worshiping in our new facility. Two weeks from today, I'm, I'm amazed, I'm I'm overwhelmed. Uh, it's getting surreal at this point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in some things because, uh, like, our doors won't be in. They'll, they'll come later, so we'll be worshiping with the old doors, and I, I didn't want that. I wanted everything to be just right. Some of the chairs aren't going to be in, and 
but it is what it is. We're going to go ahead and, and, and meet our deadline and, and deal with what we have to deal with in order to, to get into the building. And then we'll just continue to keep working because God will continue to bless. Uh, things are, are taking shape. But we do need help. And if you're able to help, uh, come out because we've got things that um, we didn't budget time for, like taking tape off of stuff. Tape that got put on in May and got painted all around. And, and now there's a lot of tape. We, we, we probably got 752,000 pounds of painter's tape in that building. Uh, but we've got things like that and removing tape uh, and paint from things like glass. So if you, you don't have to have a lot of talent. You just got to have a willing heart. And we got two weeks to make this uh, possible. And next Friday, we're going to start moving things, moving things from uh, the other two churches and moving them into that building. So uh, if, you, if you are able to, don't call, don't ask. Yes, we're there. If you are you, yes, we're there. I'm there till 9 30, 10 o'clock every night. Some nights it's even later than that. We, my wife and, and Kristen, have been there as, as late as 12 30 before. So, uh, yes, we're there. Don't, don't ask, don't hesitate. Just show up and somebody will be there. And even when we ain't there, the door's unlocked because I'm at Lowe's and I'm coming back. So, so yes, we're there. And if, you, if you're able to come and you don't have to have no whole lot of talent because we, yeah, we still got some painting to do, but now at, at this point, it's, it's a lot of taking tape off of things and cleaning things and prepping things and, and, and cleaning and, yes, uh, and cleaning and then cleaning. And did I mention we need some cleaners? And uh, so, so that's the kind of thing that we have, and it's, it doesn't take a lot of a big skill set, but we're in a time crunch. Speaking of, next Sunday night at 6.30, if you're a greeter, if you're an usher, uh, if you're on the praise team, if you uh, work with the children's departments, uh, 6.30 next Sunday night, we want to have a walk-through service with you. So we want to, and we're not going to actually preach or have service, we just want to take you through because it would be good if the children's church workers knew where children's church was. And it would be good if the ushers know how to get kids to the children's church. And it'd be nice if the ushers knew where all the exits was. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a walkthrough to familiarize you with the building. Because at this point, you can be talking to me, and five seconds later, poof like magic, I disappear, and you won't know where I went. There are secret passageways and doorways, and you won't know where they are. I do. I've painted every brick in that building. I know exactly where everything is. But, but there's a lot of exits to cover for the ushers, and there's a lot of things to get in order, and, and we're going to do things differently. I've built a cart for first-time guests, and, and we built, I built a welcome center, and there's going to be things that happen there that don't happen anywhere else in the building. So we want to have a, just a walkthrough with all the workers. So if you're a greeter, because uh, if you're a greeter, you think you can stand in one spot like you do here and greet. Mm-mm. Uh, th- there's a lot of ways to get into that building. So, uh, th- just, so it's 6.30 next Sunday night. And then the following Saturday, we're going to have our building dedication and ministry affirmation service. So uh, keep that in mind as well. You're all invited to that. We're going to have a church service. There's going to be some surprises. It's going to be a great weekend, and we are thrilled that God has blessed us the way he's blessed us. Things have happened the way that they've happened. And I'm overwhelmed, and I'm full of joy, and at the same time, I'm tired. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm physically exhausted while my spirit feels like it should be able to run through a troop and leap over a wall. So uh, it's, a, it's a weird place that I find myself in, but God is good. Amen. Can we give him a hand clap of praise in the church? He's good to us. So as I stated, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this morning week five of our series called Ready to Move. 
And we've been talking uh, in this series about the miracles of the moment that brings us instant deliverances. How God shows up and does great big miraculous things. And then we've talked about how God empowers us for the long haul. Because this Christian walk is not a short sprint It's a long haul, and we need to recognize God in small things, not just in the large things that he does. He provides for us, and he protects us even when we don't know that we're under attack. We've talked about emotional baggages that hold us back, that stops us from moving forward because we get stunted in our growth, and we stay stuck where we were. And last week, we've talked about it's everything revolves around following that cloud. The manifest presence of God. If God says go, we shouldn't let anything stop us. If God doesn't say go, we shouldn't let anything move us. And so this this morning, we're going to witness another significant part of the journey of Israel through the wilderness. We're going to talk about the building of the tabernacle. I'm not going to get you tied down with the minutiae and the details of the tabernacle and all the how wide it was and how many different uh, beaver skins it took to provide. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at the tabernacle in a very new and unique way this morning. Exodus chapter 25 is where I'm going to take my text from. I'm going to be reading once again from the New Living Translation uh, because, again, I like this, uh, this translation uh, in the way that it presents us this morning, uh, the building of the, the instructions, the blueprints that Moses was about to receive from God. Exodus 25 and verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions. This is what I like about this translation. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. God doesn't want to strong arm anybody into giving anything. And that's not just monetary things. He don't want to strong arm you into serving him. As bad as God wants you to serve him, he does not want to force you to serve him. He wants you to cheerfully, if you're going to give up something for God, he wants you to do it cheerfully. He wants you to do it because you love him. So the Bible says, take everything, all the contributions from people who have hearts that are moved to offer them. Here's a list of sacred offerings you may accept from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins, fine goat hair leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones, other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. Verse 8 says, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live where? Among them, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly, say exactly, exactly according to the pattern that I give you. You must build it according, exactly according to the pattern I will show you. May the Lord add his anointing and his blessings to this holy word this morning. I did not know Becca was here. Well, there's the first lady of the Pennsburg Church of God. Welcome this morning. Thank you for being here this morning with your mom and your daddy. We're good to see you. So I want to talk to you this morning about how God does things in an exact way. That word exact struck me as I was preparing for this sermon in this series. He says, I give you an exact pattern. God has a desire to come down and meet with his people. Did you see that? He said, build me a house and I'll come live with you. 
But you're not going to be able to just throw up any house. You're not going to be able to do it any way you want to. I have a desire to come and dwell among you. However, I want to show you the right way to build the house. Because if you want to get close to me, you'll have to do it my way. Now, I am a worshiper. Before I was an ordained bishop, I was a worshiper. Before I ever held a microphone and preached my first message, I was a worshiper. And there are certain times in your life where you stop everything, you drop everything, and you just worship God. There are times uh, in your life where no matter what else is going on, you just stop for a moment and give God some worship. And God shows up and shows off powerfully in these moments. For us as Christians, it happens every Sunday. We drop everything and we come out to worship God. But you have to understand, worship is not about the building. It's not about the building because it's about the people who gather in the building. We found that out during COVID, did we not? That you can remove the people from the building and people will still worship. You weren't able to come in here. I was preaching to a television uh, or to a, 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 an internet camera for 10 weeks or 12 weeks. And, and you still were worshiping. We were singing on the stage and I was, I was bringing forth the word over the uh, internet. And you were still able to worship because it's not about the building. It's about the people who gather there. God's people individually and corporately are the permanent dwelling place for the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 tells you, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you have the opportunity to worship God no matter where you are. You don't have to wait for Sunday morning and for Sister Alicia to start playing the keyboard. You as the church can worship God and expect Him to come and dwell among you no matter where you are. Because God desires to dwell among His people. He said, I want to come down and meet with you. So build me a tabernacle. A place where He would manifest Himself. And you can worship me. Now you have to understand something about God. He is omnipresent. That's a big church fancy word that we use that simply means this. God's everywhere. You can't go anywhere and get away from God. His presence goes everywhere. However, when we say that we worship Him and His presence comes in the room, it really means not that God wasn't already there, but now I am experiencing His presence. God can be in the room and you can ignore Him. But if I worship Him, now I'm experiencing His presence that was already there. In other words, I take the focus off of all the unimportant stuff and put it on the one thing that really matters. Because it should not be, a focus of worship should not be on your enjoyment. The focus of worship should be the opportunity that we have been granted to give praise and honor and glory unto the King of Kings who wants to dwell in our midst. And you need to know that God went as far as giving the instructions to meet with his people. He said, I want this so badly, I'm going to provide for you a way for you and I to get together. And the tabernacle in the Old Testament is actually a sign of Jesus in the New Testament. You know one of my favorite and most often quoted scriptures is John chapter 1. And John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jump down to John 1.14, and the Bible says that the Word was made flesh... And dwelt among us. That phrase, made flesh, means he tabernacled. 
He tabernacled in flesh. He left heaven and tabernacled in flesh. So God said, I'm going to give you an exact pattern. I'm going to give you a pattern not only, and and, and I'm going to start preaching now. You've been waiting and it's been 12 minutes and 59 seconds. I'm ready to start preaching. He said, I'm not just going to give you a, a pattern to build a room because let's be honest, the room is not important. I'm not just going to give you a pattern for what day to meet, because let's be honest, I don't just worship God today. I worship Him yesterday. I worship Him again tomorrow. I worship God on Tuesday afternoon. I don't just worship Him on Sunday. So it's not just a pattern about how to build the building and about when to do it, but the pattern is, I want you to worship me, but I want it done my way. Oh, you didn't even know that you could worship wrong, did you? Well, I can tell you this much. I'm not a Bible scholar per se, but I can tell you that if God tells me I can do it right, that means I can also do it wrong. And I don't want to be doing worship wrong because a lot of people miss what happens to them and in their life when worship is presented in a wrong way. Let's talk about how you worship wrong. Pastor Moses goes up on a mountain to meet with God. Leaves the associate pastor in charge of the congregation for 40 days. When Pastor Moses has heard from God and is on the way back down the mountain, he's got instructions from the Heavenly Father telling them how to live their lives. And as he gets to the bottom of the mountain, he finds his whole church has backslid, dancing naked around a golden calf. And he'd only been out of town 40 days. After everything God had done for Israel, it only took them 40 days to backslide. Y'all not going to help me. After 430 years of slavery, God had set them free in a miraculous way. He He affirmed His presence in their life by splitting the Red Sea. He rained manna down out of heaven. He brought water out of rocks. I mean, God was showing off. And yet, just 40 days after Moses had left them alone, these people that God had rescued was bowing down in front of an idol. You know what that tells me? Just because you worship God today don't mean you necessarily will tomorrow. Just because you recognize how good God's been to you today doesn't mean that you won't forget it by tomorrow. I know my whole amen committee just resigned right there. When Moses didn't come back as soon as they wanted him to come back, the whole church took matters into their own hand. See, we have a tendency to worship God the way we want to instead of the way he wants to. And this is why he gave us instructions for how he wanted to be worshipped. He tells us in the New Testament, if you want to worship me, let everything be done decent and in order. Because God understands that if he doesn't give us some kind of boundary, some kind of blueprint to follow, we're going to mess this thing up. There's always order with God. He doesn't want us to do what seems right because the Bible says there's a way which seemeth right to a man and the end thereof is death. So he doesn't want you guessing how to do it. He doesn't want you assuming how to do it. He doesn't want you to do what feels good because, come on church, there's some stuff you can get into that feels good that you shouldn't be doing on Sunday morning. There's a whole lot of stuff you get into that feels good that God don't want you to be doing. Y'all ain't going to help me right there. 
So God says, if you're going to worship me, I'm going to give you a blueprint. I want you to follow my blueprint exactly. The worship of the golden calf is a perfect example of how we take worship into our own hands. You do realize that Israel has no calf worship in their theology. They brought that with them from Egypt. Back in Egypt, they worshipped uh, animals. And, and, the, and Egypt is a, is a symbol of the world. So in other words, worldliness is always the enemy of true worship. The more you get involved in worldliness, the harder it's going to be for you to really worship God. Israel uh, wanted a God that they could control. They wanted something they could touch. They wanted something they could feel. And more importantly, and this is going to be the, where I preach the rest of my message this morning, they wanted a God they could manipulate. They wanted to worship a golden calf because a golden calf don't talk back. Oh, we love Christmas time because baby Jesus don't tell us to do right. Easter Jesus is always bossing me around. Resurrected Jesus is telling me that i got to take up a cross if I want to follow him. Resurrected Jesus is telling me there's some stuff in my life that I need to nail to the cross so that I can follow him with truth. See, baby Jesus don't get in my way. Baby Jesus is cute and cuddly. Baby Jesus invites everybody to come and bow down, and there's a star, and there's angels, and there's some uh, cows over here eating some hay. Oh, baby Jesus at Christmas time. Oh, it just makes my heart go pitter, 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 pat. But resurrected Jesus says they're going to beat you, they're going to hate you, they're going to nail you to a cross, you're going to have to crucify some stuff, if you want to follow me, if you want to worship me here's how you're going to do it you lay down your life so that you can take up mine see we don't like this, we don't like resurrected Jesus as much as we do baby Jesus because we want a God we can manipulate we want a God we can control, and they were not willing to wait as God gave them instructions, they wanted to be in charge of their own worship. So when Moses was gone, they made a God. But true worship is not about us. True worship is supposed to be about Him. It's about what He desires, and hear me, it's what He deserves. True worship should never... We say all the time, oh, I'm going to church to get my praise on. Well, then you're doing it wrong. Because it shouldn't be nothing about what you are going to get for you. It should be, I'm going to give him what he deserves and what he desires from me. And let's make something straight. While I'm on a roll and making you angry, let me just go all the way. Idols are not limited to little golden statues. We are just as prone to idol worship as our ancestors were. Our idols may look different, smell different, sound different, but make no mistake, we can erect idols in our lives today as well. And the only way that I've ever found in the Bible to get rid of an idol is to tear them down. Uh, so there's a lot of people standing at a crossroads today with God. And they don't even realize it. Because God requires three things if you're going to worship Him. It has nothing to do with beaver skins. It has nothing to do with purple robes. It has nothing to do with acacia wood. It's three things that he requires. Dedication, loyalty, and sacrifice. If you want to worship God, he said, here's your blueprint. I want all of you. 
I want to know that what I give you is more important than what anybody else. I want to know that there's nothing in this world that can take my place. I want you to get up every day and say, can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. He wants to know when you get up in the morning that I'm going to praise you in the morning, praise you in the noontime, and praise you when the sun goes down. That come hell or high water, no matter what comes against me, I will invoke the name of the Lord. That the name of the Lord is great and great to be praised. He wants to know that nothing, nothing is more important to you than he is. He wants dedication. He wants loyalty. And yes, he wants sacrifice. You don't believe me? Go over and read the story of Abraham. Abraham came to crossroads with God several times. And at every turn, almost entirely, he made the right choice. God called him out of the land of his ancestors, the land of Ur. He had goats, he had sheep, he had servants, he had cattle, he had uh, gold and silver, and he gave it all away and went where God told him to go. His father died on the journey. God said, bury him here, but don't you stay here. You keep moving. I didn't call you to stay where things die. Boy, there's a sermon right there. I didn't call you to stay where things die. Bury the dead and keep moving. Then he comes to a place where him and his nephew Lot couldn't get along. And they separated. And he let Lot have the better land. And, 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 and he chose to acquiesce and give to somebody else. Boy, could we not use that message today. Where we could prefer our brother ahead of ourselves. And just maybe just keep our mouths shut for just a minute. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I'm just a simple country preacher out of McDowell County, West Virginia. But, but, but maybe we could just get back to the point where, where we don't have to just be right all the time. But we can maybe just, just act like Jesus. And sometimes the Bible says he was like a sheep that went to slaughter. And he opened not his mouth. And sometimes it would be good if we could just maybe not open our mouths so much. And just prefer other folks over us and just let bygones be bygones and just overlook some things because Lord knows Jesus had to overlook some stuff in my life in order for him to love me Hagar, Hagar walks away with Ishmael, Abraham made the right choice he continually passed the right uh, test that God set in front of him and even though he kept passing the test he still wasn't seeing his promise even though he was passing the test and doing the right thing, he had this unusual prophecy hanging over his head that he still had not yet seen fulfilled. Genesis chapter two, he, or 22, he faces the biggest tests of all. God said, I want your son, Isaac. And I want you to take him up on the mountain and I want you to take a dagger and sacrifice him And a hush fell over this bunch. We don't like to shout over, over this. And I don't blame you. I don't either. I've got a one and only son. I've got two daughters. I can't imagine taking any of them up on the mountain, even for God, and sacrificing them. I would fight every devil in hell for my babies. I would fight you and ten more like you for my babies. I can't imagine what Abraham was going through when he had to take his only son, his only son that was left, his son of promise, and take him up on the mountain and know that he was going to lay him on an altar and take a dagger and sacrifice him to God. But I do know that Abraham was convinced that God was going to make a way. And 
The reason I bring this up is because God attached, I told you he wants dedication, loyalty, and sacrifice. God attached to the sacrifice a blessing. He tells Abraham, Abraham, you have passed this test and this test and every test that I've put in front of you, you've passed it. But if you pass this test, I swear I'm going to bless you. If you pass this test, you are going to finally see all the promises you've been waiting on because I promise you I'm going to bless you. And some of you need to grab hold of this word this morning because you're going through that test. You right now are going through the big one, the test. And God sent this preacher here to tell you that if you pass this test, he swears he's about to bless you. You've been going through a rough season, but he swears he's about to bless you. You've been going through some turmoil and trials, but he swears if you pass this test, don't let the world separate you from his promise. Pass this test, and he swears he's going to bless you. Abraham, Bible says, rose up early in the morning. And took his son up on the mountain. Because he realized the quicker I get this over with, the faster I find my blessing. Now why would God require such a sacrifice? I'm going to help you. You ready for some instruction? Because when I was a young Christian and I read this story, it made absolutely no sense to me. Even though I know how it turns out. It made no sense to me. Why would God even ask for Isaac? God promised Isaac to Abraham. And now that he's got him, why is he going to ask him to sacrifice him? And then I did some study. And I found out that it was an everyday occurrence in Abraham's day for worshipers of Baal to take their firstborn sons and pass them through the flames as a sacrifice to a heathen god. They did it without hesitation. As soon as their firstborn son was born, they would take them down to the sacrificial pit and throw them into the flames for a god who don't exist. They loved and they served their God so much that they honored them above their own sons. And when Abraham saw that going on in the world, God wanted to know if his child would honor his command as faithfully as the heathens honored their false gods. And as Abraham's about to kill his only son, he sends an angel to stop him. And the angel says, don't harm the boy. Now I know. You passed the test. Now I know that you are dedicated, you are loyal, and you aren't afraid of sacrifice. Now I know I can trust you and I can cut covenant with you. Because you are as loyal to me as they are to their false gods. Can I tell you this morning that God ought at least be able to count on his kids as much as the devil can count on his? God should see at least as much passion from His children as those who serve a God that cannot save nor deliver them. But God's children have to be begged just to come to church. God's children have to be scolded into reading their Bible. God's children shows up when they want to and stays home when they want to. That shows God that we don't love Him the way the world loves their God. 
Oh, you ain't ready for this, but I'm going to share something with you. Because I promise you, I wasn't always Bishop Mitchum. I wasn't always preacher such and much. I have a scalded past. I know what it looks like on the other side in my B.C. days. And can I get a witness in here? I promise you, I never begged a buddy to get drunk. I'm going to say that again. You got to beg Christians to come to church to serve their God. But when I was serving the world, I never had to beg nobody to go out and get tore up with me. And if God is going to gauge my love for Him by matching my worship for Him the way they worship their idols, then when I worship God, I better give everything I have. Because I'm going to tell you something. An alcoholic will sell his own furniture to get another drink. His children will go to school without a coat on so he can get another drink. They will throw away their marriage. They'll throw away good jobs. They'll lose their homes because they are sold out to a God. And if the world can sell out to their gods, we better in these last days be sold out to Jesus and give him everything we have. We better learn to sacrifice with our praise if we would do for what our for our God what the heathens do for their gods we would definitely turn this world upside down and sinners should not be enjoying sin more than you are enjoying your salvation good preaching preacher I see sinners just out there smiling and carrying on and acting like ain't nothing. And they are bound for a devil's hell. If they don't straighten up their lives, they are going to split eternity into a place that they will never recover from. And you and I have Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. And we look like we spent the night upside down in a post hole and was baptized in vinegar before we walked through the door. Come on, church. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Let the church arise and give their God some praise. In the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son came home broke. He left rich, came back broke. You know why? Because he sacrificed everything for the God that he served. Saddest part of that whole story is not that he lost everything. The saddest part of that story is how the brother who stayed in the house the brother who stayed in the father's house reacted when he saw that when the younger son came home, daddy threw him apart. And the older son, who'd been in daddy's house the whole time, came and complained says, oh, it must be nice that you're going to kill the fatted calf and throw him a party after he has already went out and lived like a hellion and lived like a, he a heathen and spent all your money. And his daddy looked around the house and said, son, don't you see everything that I have provided for you? Everything I have is yours. It ain't my fault you didn't take advantage of it. And that's what I feel like God does to us every Sunday. We come in and we look at the democracy and we look at the government and we look at the, uh, the systems of the world and we look at all this stuff and we're like, oh, woe is me. And God is like, don't you see everything I have provided for you? I 
I have been good to you. You deserve to, you, you deserve nothing that I've given you. You owe me a praise. You owe me some worship. I've been far better to you than you have returned back to me. Daddy's got cows you haven't eaten yet. You need to praise him. He's been good to you. Some of you being a mental institution had it not been on your side. Some of you would be dead right now if he hadn't been on your side. Some of your families would be divorced by now. He kept you for this time. You owe him some praise. You owe him some sacrifice. He's been good to you. I'll tell you one thing. I went big time for the devil. I told you last week, folks used to say, I used to hear the old timers testify on Sunday morning in the church because I went to the old holiness church where all the women wore the hair up and had the long dresses. And they'd get up and testify about how, oh, the world don't know what they're missing because they think they're enjoying sin and sin ain't pleasurable. And I used to think, well, you was doing it wrong. You should have been sinning with me because I was having a good time. That's why it's so hard to get out of sin and get into the house of God. Because I had some fun over there. I looked at the church and said, I can't do that. I can't give up all of this to go put a suit and tie on and go worship God on Sunday. I'm hungover on Sunday. I don't want to come hear some preacher yell at me. I didn't, I didn't think I could give it up in the sense they were right. They don't know what they're missing. But in a sense, they're wrong when they say sin isn't fun because even the Bible says sin has its pleasure for a season. And when I was in sin, oh, baby, I went big time for the devil. When I got saved, the devil had a mourning celebration. We have lost a good man. One of our chief soldiers has surrendered to the other side. I'm not sure that we will be able to go on. Oh, I went big time for the devil. I came home broke for the devil. Y'all going to hear me? I went too far for the devil. I did stuff I swore I wouldn't do when I served the devil. I stayed longer than I intended to stay when I served the devil. I spent money I shouldn't have spent. I did stuff I said I wouldn't do, and I did it all for the God that I worship. Well, if I can do that for the filthy, stinking devil, then I ought to surely be all in for the Lord who died from somebody give God some praise in this see y'all 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 holy people y'all get on my nerves cause y'all act like y'all got saved and got amnesia now I've been in this for a long time but I still remember and I'm going to tell you something. I don't ever remember going to a party. And there was a few. I don't ever remember going to a party where everybody wasn't all in. Come on now. Because everybody was there for the same reason. And they was doing whatever it took to get what they came for. Y'all ain't going to help me. You go to the club. Ain't nobody ever just hanging out. They, they're looking for something. Y'all ain't going to help me. All y'all holy people just take a, a nap for a second. But all my real Christians that remember, listen, when you go to the club, there are people there looking for something. 
and they're not going to be content till they find it, snatch it, and leave with it. And I got Christians who come to church every Sunday and ain't never snatched a blessing, ain't never snatched a promise, ain't never snatched a scripture, ain't never snatched a destiny. Listen, God's been too good to you. You need every time you come to the house to leave with something you didn't walk in with. Take it with you when you go. See, when is God's people ever going to be as loyal to salvation as sinners are to sin? He wants dedication, he wants loyalty, and he wants sacrifice. But be very, very careful who you give your emotions to. I've seen people at ball games scream until their juggler vein popped out of their neck and hung on their collar. They will go to ball games and bake to death in the summer and freeze in the wintertime. And act like they ain't cold. Act like they're not burning up in the summer. Somebody behind them screaming profanities at them kids on the field. And that never bothers you. But then you come into the house of God and somebody amening me plucks your last nerve. I used to go to Bristol International Speedway and watch the Spring Nationals. That's drag races. And we'd be there, and it'd be about 85 degrees. And everybody, drunk, everybody's eating hot dogs, nachos. It's hot. The longer the day goes, the drunkener everybody gets. I've been there before and had beer spilled all down my back. I was sitting beside people, got vomited on. They didn't leave. You bought a ticket. You're going to sit there in that heat. Going to go to the bathroom and clean vomit off your shirt. Come back in them concrete. We were sitting in concrete bleachers for eight, ten hours with drunk people spilling beer. Listen, you came in here and sat in padded seats. You didn't have to step over no vomit or, dr- or be- spill beer. But you still got stuff to complain about. God's been too good to us, church. We better learn how to praise him. You have never heard on a Friday night sitting around the office. Oh, good Lord, it's Friday. I, I guess I guess I'll get up and go to that party. I really don't want to, but they're going to talk about me if I don't show up. I don't want to throw down tonight and get drunk and fornicate, but I guess I don't have any other choice. I just dread getting drunk. No, no. Two hours before the clock strikes. Oh, it's two more hours. Come on, baby. I can't wait. Two more hours. It's party time. They're pacing the floor. They're breaking out in hot sweats. They can't wait till the thing is over. So they get, they're already texting people saying, you got it? I got mine. I'm going to bring it to the party. Yeah, are you ready? We're going to meet at this time, and we about this time. And they're already making plans. And you come dragging in here on Sunday morning and act like I got to kick you in the posterior to get you out of your seat to praise God. God deserves better than that. That's why I don't drag into church. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to love my God at least as much as the world loves theirs. I'm going to celebrate Him like He saved me. Like He has blessed me. Like He has set me free. I'm going to shout like I've been delivered. I'm going to praise Him like He's coming back to get me and take me home. Ain't nothing as important in this life, especially on Sunday, as Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. Go ahead and give Him some praise.
So I went from getting turned up in the clubs to turned up in the church. And I, I witnessed a lot of people that didn't see things my way. And now I can stand back and it's easy for me to judge them. If I don't remember, I was them. It's easy for me to look back over my shoulder and say, why don't you just straighten up? When I realized there was a long time I couldn't straighten up either. There was a long time I had people like Mama speaking into my life. You, you ought to come to church. You know, God's been good to you. Yeah, yeah, God, God, God. Yeah, I like God, but I didn't love God. Oh, I liked God. I was, I was, I was you know, God, God, God was solid. You know, I'd give him a high five. Thanks, God. Somebody say, let's pray over our food. God is great. God is good. Let us say, and, and, and daily bread, amen. I, I would, I would, you know, I was honorable. If I walked in front of a church, I would tell my friends, hey, don't cuss. There's a church right there. I, I respected men of God. When I'd see a preacher, I'd be like, hey, calm down. There's a preacher. God would, you know, I had respect. I liked him. But I loved the God I was serving. And he got my loyalty. He got my dedication and all my sacrifice. He almost got my marriage. Almost tore my family apart. I'd probably be dead by now if I was still serving that God. I was, because see, I'm a teetotaler. Whatever I do, I do it 110%. I remodel a church, I paint all the bricks. I worship God. I dance till I don't have no shoes left on my feet. I'm like David. I haven't danced all the way out my clothes yet because the Lord, He is merciful. <laughs> on me and you. <laughs> but I realize I'm a teetotaler. I don't have a drink in me. Because one is never enough. And I'll have a thousand. I can't be in the wrong situations and putting myself in situations because I know what happens when I get in certain situations and I know my anger and I know my temperament and I know how he's made me so I I remember I was them and how hard it was to get me from where I was to where I am and what he paid I love you Lord and I give you everything we used to sing a song in the old church Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. See, I'm standing here today not because I'm a good person, because I'm intelligent, because I, I, I'm an ordained bishop in the church of God. That and $1.99 will get me a cup of coffee at Sheets. I'm standing here today because he's been good to me. He protected me from myself. When I wasn't even looking for him, he was looking for me. And he rescued me. And so shouldn't I give him everything I have? Loyalty, dedication, sacrifice. I told him a long time ago, whatever you want from me, I can never give you enough. Because of what you have done for me. And to this day, I still mean that. 
I can never repay you for what you have done for me. Is there anybody in this church that feels that way this morning, that God has been too good for you? I'm going to leave you with this last thought. If you want to give him everything, he's willing. And he'll help. Because this is what I know about God. Once you get the wrong stuff out of your life, God will put the right stuff in your life. You get the wrong people out of your life, he'll bring the right people. You get the wrong habits out of your life, he'll bring the right habits. You get the stuff that will kill you out, he'll bring life and put it in. Whatever you are willing to get rid of, he'll deposit the stuff you need. Because he loves you. Isn't he worth your sacrifice this morning? Father God, we love you. And I believe and I just feel in my heart this morning that there's people under the sound of my voice that have not yet totally committed their lives to you. But right now would be the time that, that they have felt this message in their spirit. And they need to know that you have connected with them. So God, I'm asking your Holy Spirit right now to soften and prick the heart of every person in this room that needs a connection with you. That before they leave this room, they're going to say, God, I give you everything. I hold nothing back. I submit my whole existence, my life, my heart, my mind. If you will help me, God, I'm going to give you everything because I can't make it another day on my own. And if that's you this morning, if that's you, I want you to know the Holy Ghost is here and God is here and he's willing to save and redeem and touch and strengthen and heal you. You can be made whole right now. Whole in your mind, whole in your spirit, whole in your marriage, whole in your relationships. If you will let the Holy Spirit in right now, he'll bring the right stuff if you're willing to let go of the wrong stuff. In the name of Jesus, touch their hearts right now. Amen and amen. If you're here this morning and you've made a commitment, hear me. I'm not asking you to get put on the spot. I'm not asking you to stand up and grab a microphone and testify. We used to do that to people in the old church. If you got, if you got saved, they say, come on up to the front. And people be like. First time they ever came to church, they done sit there for an hour and a half and listen to me scream and sweat all over them. And then they commit their lives to the Lord and come on up here and talk. They used to, we used to do that. But it is important that you confess it. Not just to him, but that you tell some people that you, that you are close to. Because when you bring it out of your mouth, it's a powerful connection between what you say and what's happened in your spirit. So if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm tired of living this way. I want better, and I want to give him loyalty, dedication, and sacrifice. Before you leave this building, or maybe in the parking lot, find somebody you trust, find somebody you came to church with, find somebody that you live with, and tell them, I gave myself to Jesus today. And when you do that, something powerful is going to happen because not only are they going to start praying for you, but the Spirit is going to connect with your confession, and God's going to start working in your life, not later, not next Sunday, but immediately God's going to start working in your life. So if that is you, I pray that before you leave here, I pray it gets back to me. I pray that I, but you ain't got to find me. Find somebody else. There's saints all over this building that would love to talk to you about how good God is. Promise of victory, I love you.
Thank you for everything. I pray some of you will be able to come out and help us in the next two weeks as we get this thing wrapped up and, and moved into the new facility. And my God, what is he going to do when we get over there and we're able to, to, to meet the needs of more people? I'm excited about this season. God bless you. Promise of victory. I love you.